Hi, my name is Jamie Liebrandt and I'm the Chief Credit and Lending Officer for Northwestern Bank. Every employee is focused on what's best for the customer, what's best for the community. Other banks make it harder than what it really is. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of it's based on do you trust the person in front of you? And if you do, don't make it hard, make it easy. So to me, that's what makes the bank special. Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter. Member FDIC. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of Mac Chat presented by the McDonald Area Catholic School System and an outstanding opportunity for us to dive into uh, the school community and what makes it tick and the people and the organizations within this school community. We've got Molly as always with us from McDonald. How's it going? It's going great, Scott. How are you? Uh, not too bad. And uh, here we are uh, just about winding down the, the current school year when we record uh, this podcast. But all of our episodes are available on the website. And, and quite frankly, they're timeless, to be honest with you. And I, I know we've got uh, a variety of topics we have, variety of topics uh, we'll be hitting uh, as, as well. So we recommend everybody go back, listen to all the great uh, episodes that we have. Uh, this is a topic today that I know is going to be a little bit deeper, but one that's very important, correct? Right. I mean, we really want to talk about the priestly ministry in Catholic schools, uh, some of Father Kazuski, Father Justin Kazuski's experiences and wisdom in that regard, and then um, to that extent also his experience with recently launching um, a ministry involving the clergy abuse scandals and ministering to victim survivors. So I guess we can jump right in. So Father Kazuski, is it okay if I call you Father Justin? It is okay you call me Father Justin, yes. So we just found out that we have about a half an hour, and I know you've always wanted to give a half an hour homily. So just take it away. Right. I think I have given a half an hour homily at times on special occasions. Maybe my sister's wedding when uh, they're, they can't go anywhere. So uh, no, I think I, I have and certainly can talk for a half an hour. Uh, but yeah, what, uh, what do we want to talk about? What do we want to know? Well, I guess, you know, you being my pastor and us having worked together, I know a lot about your background, but I'm certain that some of our listeners don't. So maybe if you just want to share a little bit more about your background and your priestly ministry here in Chippewa Falls. Oh, I'd be happy to. Yeah, my background is, well, I'm from Wisconsin Rapids um, in the Diocese of La Crosse. And so was Catholic school educated throughout. It started uh, at Sacred Heart School for pre-K and grade school. And Sacred Heart in Nakusa is actually my home parish. And uh, we've had a pastor there from those days of grade school that is still the pastor there. So uh, I've now ordained, what is it, 13 years a priest. Uh, but he was in that school, in that parish, uh, from the time that I was at grade school. And so anyway, there are stories that go back. Father John Swing is his name, is our pastor at Sacred Heart. And uh, his family, too, is, is known for giving the... the shrines land the land that the shrine of our lady of guadalupe is on that's that's the swing family anyway you know he was the i've got fond memories of getting a black guy playing hockey uh out in the parking lot during winter and then and, and needing to go to the rectory and, and being tended to uh while father and others uh while i was in the rectory there so that kind of stands out but anyhow after that i, I went uh, after graduating from eighth grade there went to assumption high school and uh, the, the fun thing about that is that is not what i wanted I wanted to go to the public school where a lot of my friends were going. 
and my parents insisted on the Catholic school. And uh, for reasons why I'm not exactly sure they knew, although they turned out to be the right reasons, uh, but they wanted to the faith component, they wanted uh, the education component, and I think they felt that both those things would be better served at the Catholic school. Um, but it was a bit of family drama because I did not want to go there. Anyway, that's uh, we went to Assumption and graduated from Assumption High School, and uh, and it was beautiful because what I found there really were a couple of things. Uh, number one was that our faith is, is true. I found that from one of my teachers there who's a, um, a, a local, uh, well, an alumna of this uh, establishment too, Sherry Bobie, and she taught me the Catholic faith, and uh, it, was, it was there that I, I saw that our faith was, was beautiful and true. Then at the same time, there was a priest there, which definitely directs a lot of my thoughts of priestly ministry in schools, Father, now Monsignor, uh, Joe Hirsch. And Monsignor Hirsch, uh, at the time Father Hirsch, was just, well, he was, he was a priest in the schools for a long time, about nine years he was chaplain at Assumption. And when we would talk about what was so striking about him was that he was happy as a priest. And you could tell, you could tell he was in love with Christ. And that really made an effect on me. And so he would say things that he had gotten from good, uh, good, good advice that he'd gotten from other notable church figures, uh, Father Burke, but now Cardinal Burke. Uh, things like, if you wanted to be happy, you needed to do what God wanted you to do. And if we wanted to figure out what God wanted us to do, we would find our vocation in the Blessed Sacrament, praying before the Eucharist. So that's where I started in Catholic schools, um, praying every day. I was visiting the chapel, asking the Lord what he wanted me to do. And thanks to the advice from, well, Cardinal Burke through Monsignor Hirsch, found my vocation in the Blessed Sacrament while I was at Assumption High School. And then the other component that I got from Assumption High School was a love of letters, a love of learning. And we had a great teacher there, Kath Kavanaugh, uh, Kathleen Kavanaugh, may she rest in peace, a great influence on my life, uh, told us what words could do. And one of the first things we did in freshman English was read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And you get a sense of what, what words can do from C.S. Lewis and all the allegory that's there in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the Christ figure that's Aslan the, li the Lion. And that has fed my preaching even until uh, this day. Well, after that, then I decided that, uh, uh, well, it became a kind of process, but I compare it to a commercial at the time of Cheerios, that you couldn't sink the Cheerio in the milk. And the idea of the priesthood was like that. Uh, by the way, it's false advertising. The idea was that you can't sink them because the Cheerio never gets soggy. But if you leave Cheerios in milk long enough, they do they do actually get soggy. So That's anyway. really good to know. It Scott, did you know. know that? Yeah, they get soggy. They do sink. But anyway, the idea of the priesthood was like the commercial said Cheerios were like. And I couldn't sink it. I just I couldn't get rid of the idea every time I would be there at prayer and ask the Lord, oh, what do you want me to do? This idea of the priesthood would, would pop up. And I would try to push it back down and I'd get it to sink in the milk and I couldn't do it. And so then that was enough to get me to apply to the seminary and uh, begin that process, uh, which then uh, after that uh, entered seminary right after high school. was at St. John Vianney in St. Paul, Minnesota, at the University of St. Thomas. And I was there for two years. And then after that, it was three years at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. and uh, came out with their uh, master's in philosophy. And then I was sent to Rome uh, to study theology there. And uh, five years in, in Rome for theology. And then came back here in 2000, well, came here first in 2009 as uh, a yearly ordained priest. I was ordained for about a year at that point. Came here in 2009 and took over as chaplain of McDonald 
uh, Catholic high school and Notre Dame middle school. And then I was associated Holy Ghost in St. Bridget's. And that lasted three years of those uh, chaplain uh, years and associated those parishes. And then after that, Bishop Callahan sent me to Rome to get a doctorate in theology. So then I spent three more years in Rome and there studied at the Gregorian University and got a doctorate in theology. And then after those three years, I came back here to Chippewa Falls as pastor. So that was 2015. I've been here ever since as pastor of Holy Ghost and St. Bridget's. And then, yeah, I've been closely involved with the schools uh, for, for those years, uh, particularly during the years that I was dean of the Chippewa uh, deanery. But anyhow, so that's my history. That's more or less how I've got here a long-standing Catholic uh, school history. Uh, we were talking about Catholic schools, and someone's like, well, I've got 12 years of Catholic school. And I, I sort of added mine up, and I was like, yeah, well, I think I got about 20, 26 years of Catholic school education. So anyway, Catholic schools near and dear to my heart. Uh, as I say, it's where I found my vocation and found uh, what God wanted me to do, and uh, so grateful for that, and uh, so grateful for my parents for <laughs> insisting that I actually go to Catholic school. That's really funny. I think that's something that I didn't know, that you didn't want to go to Catholic school, because I, I, I'm not sure if I've told you I had the same situation with my son, who did not want to go to McDonald, wanted to go to the public high school, and didn't have that, had that choice made for him, um, and has since thanked me. So we'll just say that's a good decision. Um, I did want to, you know, note that I, I don't think I noted it at first that you'll be departing Chippewa Falls soon after having spent the majority of your priesthood here. Um, so how are you feeling about that? Um, I guess I could try not to stumble over it. My understanding is you will be teaching theology as well as director of academic formation. Is that correct? At St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's that right. right. Yeah, those are the okay. two pronged components of the, the new assignment that will take effect at the beginning of July. And uh, yes, there's two institutions that make it interesting in terms of an assignment. The one is St. Francis de Sales Seminary, and that's where men from all the dioceses of Wisconsin live and pray and receive formation. And then they study at Sacred Heart Seminary in Hales Corners. So they drive out there. Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday for their classes. And I will be teaching classes then there for them. And it looks like in the fall I'll be teaching church history and then also the theology and history of the Eucharist. So I'll be teaching. And then at St. Francis de Sales Seminary, I'll be in charge of intellectual formation. So making sure the men stay on track for their degree, are doing well in their classes, uh, dealing with any questions or struggles that they might encounter that way. And, uh, and so that's, that's what I will be moving to. When I talk about how I, I feel about that or, or what, I, what I think about that, well, that's it, a mixed bag for sure. Uh, most of my, my life as a priest has been spent either in Rome or Chippewa Falls. And so the joke really was that they're basically the same, just the number of hills is different. You know, in Rome there are seven hills. The city is, is built, uh, ancient Rome was built on seven hills, and uh, Chippewa has three. So that's really the only difference. Other than that, um, no, there are other differences. Um, but between Rome and Chippewa, and, and really my time, other than home, though it's equally divided between Rome and Chippewa Falls. So to go to a new place is certainly anxiety-causing. What it will be like? Will I, will I like it? Um, and then saying goodbye to a, a great deal many of, of friends and, and friendships here in Chippewa Falls and a community that has... has has loved me and that I have loved. And uh, I've one funny story is when I went back to Rome, 
I got pulled aside when the Pope Francis was elected. And the, the TV interviewer there was, you know, wanting to get a reaction of a, of a priest of, of the, re, the election of Pope Francis. And uh, we had been in the square, and it was just amazing. It was my second papal election. Uh, I'd been there for Benedict's election as well, and then you now here for Pope Francis. And well, both were different. Both were spectacular. And just I'm um, stopped using the once-in-a-lifetime line um, because there's just, you know, you never know what it, what's once-in-a-lifetime. Sometimes uh, things repeat itself. But anyway, they asked me where I was from. And, uh, and on the TV interview, after Pope Francis was elected, I said I was from Chippewa Falls. Uh, but I'm not from Chippewa Falls. I'm from Wisconsin Rapids. Um, but you can tell what the community has meant uh, to me by how I answered the question, where are you from? Chippewa Falls. Uh, apparently my near past or something. Uh, but anyhow, I certainly feel a great deal of love for the community and have felt at home here for a very long time. And yeah, I recently had the opportunity to reflect again that you're, as you're my pastor, that you have provided quite a bit of ministry to my family um, with my four kids and their sacraments throughout the years and, and you know, many other, in many other ways. Um, so that's just the tip of the iceberg of the service that you provided to the Catholics of Chippewa Falls. So in case I forget to say it, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank and you. Yeah, it's been so fun. And so, you know, because I've had this, ongoing relationship over uh, over a span of about 12 or 13 years here there are people that i have buried that i married um that i witnessed their vows in their marriage and and unfortunately um have also uh been present um to to walk with the spouse after one of the spouses has passed away and then also i have confirmed people that uh given first communion to uh like Jackson, uh, your son, and uh, and then certainly uh, seen or been witnessed of, of uh, the weddings of students that I'd had here at McDonald, which has been a, a real treat in terms of fatherly, uh, spiritual fatherhood, fatherly ministry there, uh, to witness the vows of, of several graduates of McDonald uh, area Catholic schools, and then certainly have given First Communion to children that I baptized. Uh, been This is now... I think three or four years running where the children who are, are coming to First Communion, so about eight years old for those of the listeners uh, don't uh, have a good grasp of what ages these things happen. So eight years uh, old or so, they second grade, they get First Communion, uh, many of whom at this point I was uh, the, the priest that baptized them. So it's just been a, a real neat experience uh, for sure. So, you know, coming back to teaching and the ministry to Catholic schools, I understand you were a teaching chaplain at McDonnell, and then I guess you've had a chance for a little, you know, rerun of that recently. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. I could tell you about, yeah, so my first stint here, 2009-2012, I was a teaching chaplain, as you say. Uh, and uh, you can always ask, what do you teach? Uh, but I think the better answer is, who do you teach? And so, especially in high school ministry, so I would teach sophomores and juniors. And then what I taught them or what I tried to teach them uh, for sophomores at that time, the the program had them learning New Testament from me and then sacraments and liturgy. And then to the juniors, I I tried to teach them church history and Christian morality. And then I taught Latin of a mix of students uh, back at that time. And uh, we could share stories about those days for sure. Uh, But then recently, just because of sets of circumstances and, and uh, desire to help, need to help, 
um, one of our teachers uh, so that he can attend to his family um, is a philosophy class that I've, I've picked up here and been teaching this fourth quarter. And we are about now five weeks into a seven-week course. So uh, it's penultimate week, uh, really. Um, my, when I lose the seniors, there are a bunch of seniors in the class. And, uh, and the rest are, I think, sophomores. There might be one or two juniors. But anyway, uh, it's philosophy. And so I don't know if they're having as much fun as I am, um, but I can assure you that I'm having a ton of fun teaching philosophy. I took a picture with my phone today of the board of all the notes that I had taken on the board and sent it to my family. And I said, just another day of philosophy. And there were things on there about truth, about knowledge, about the way that we know, uh, how we learn, uh, the different kinds of opinions about that that we meet in modern philosophy and then the conclusions of uh, what it looks like to be wise or what wisdom is based on the insights of Aristotle. All that was on the board this afternoon, so I was pretty excited. Well, I'm really sorry I missed it. Um, so I guess, you know, coming back to truth and and the importance of it, you know, you mentioned that was one of the reasons that you became strong in your faith and ultimately became a priest was that you found the truth in the Catholic faith. You just mentioned again, you know, teaching the truth in your philosophy class now. Um, and as dean, when you and I were working together first as dean and commission member and then as dean and president here at Max, uh, we started talking a lot about the importance of truth as one of the three pillars of a, a authentic Catholic education, I would say, and maybe you can share a little bit more about your philosophy of Catholic education and how truth features in that philosophy. Sure. Now we're getting deeper here on questions. And so not having had time to formulate or, or think about it, I'll just answer with what comes to the top of my head. It's Chippewa Falls. It is Chippewa Falls, yeah, but these are important questions. And so, no, when you talk about truth, right, we, as Catholics, as Christians, well, we've, we've got this, this insight into that, that the truth is first and foremost a person. And he tells us this several times in the scriptures, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and uh, gives everyone around him the opportunity to come to know him better. And so he'll, he'll say, in response to a series of questions, he gets asked, uh, use the, the gospel a lot at funerals, and it really does speak to people's hearts about what we hope for. Uh, so already then we kind of get an insight into the truth that this is something that really is aimed at what we hope for. But he says, you know, I'm, I'm going now. Oh, maybe it's got some applications too to leaving uh, Chippewa Falls. But anyway, he says, you know, I'm going. Um, but I, I will come back again. Again, that's, I guess, also my case. But anyway, um, and the priest does, uh, you know, make us, you know, kind of uh, another Christ. It allows us to bring Christ into the situations we're in. Anyway, uh, but he says, I'm going, I'll, I'll come back again. Um, and when I come back in, I'll take you to myself so that where I am, you might also be. And then he says, where I'm going, you know the way. And then Thomas says, which is a brilliant question, he says, well, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. And there it is. I am the truth. So we've got this insight that the truth is a person. And th it really struck the apostles the truth that's articulated in the word, the word made flesh. And when John writes about it in his letters, he says, you know, 
We have heard this word. We have seen it with our eyes. We have touched it. You know, this word of life. And it's a very strange word that you can see, that you can touch, that you can encounter. Um, but that is the word that is the word made flesh in Jesus Christ. That's that's the truth. So the truth is is that way incarnational. And so that's the insight then that really directs, I think, all these other ideas about Catholic education is the truth is really incarnational. And so fundamentally what we're trying to do is foster this encounter with that truth, that person that is Jesus Christ, and then try to live it out or make it present or enflesh it in ourselves through everything that we do. And so everything that we do can relate to and draw from and bring people back to that that source of truth. And so whether it is, I mean, one of the first talks I gave at least is like, is there such thing as Catholic math? It was one of the talks I gave to the teachers. And the idea is, well, yeah. And it doesn't mean like we had a, a, a great talk on this a few years ago. It doesn't mean you have all these math examples with like sister needs to go and buy six dozen eggs from the store. And, you know, she buys five dozen eggs. So how many eggs does she have? You know, does sister have? And I c I'm not even going to do that off the top of my head because I'd get it wrong. I used to be good at math. It didn't really make that much sense anyway, but right. I, get, I get what you're saying. You get, you know, sister <laughs> buying eggs at the store. That's not Catholic math. But when, when you start studying math and you start relating it to uh, the God who orders, uh, the God that has made the universe intelligible, the God through whom all things are made, uh, math can illustrate uh, something beautiful. Uh, and, and that beauty ultimately is, is the truth. Um, and we talk about these transcendentals where goodness, truth, beauty are all, all united and are different ways of looking at kind of the same thing. Um, anything that, that is, let me get a little bit of philosophy for you, anything that is, is also good. Anything that is, is also true. Anything that is, is also beautiful. And when you begin with that as your base, as Catholic education does, presenting that supernatural vision, well, that says a lot about everything that we do. So every subject matter, every student, every person we come encounter uh, with uh, have those those characteristics. Um, not only they, they are, for sure, uh, but they are good, they are true, they're beautiful. And so when we talk about this incarnational reality and this truth is a person, it's that truth of Jesus Christ that illumines all of this and how we look at, at other persons. And it's one of our faith's documents from the Second Vatican Council that tells us that it's only really in the the word made flesh that the mystery of human beings is, is made manifest. So when you know Christ, then you see really just how good, how true, how beautiful we are. And that incarnational reality just then affects every everything we do, the way that we look at the world, the way that we approach one another, and that's something certainly worth sharing. Amen to that. 
And that really um, brings to mind for me the vocation of the Catholic school teacher, the vocation even of the Catholic school administrator, and, you know, the challenge that we face of bringing that to bear in the daily lives of our colleagues, our students. Um, and it kind of circles me back to a question I wanted to ask, and it kind of starts leading into the topic of priestly ministry in Catholic schools and somewhat in the context of the abuse scandals. Um, so my question really is, why do we need priests in Catholic schools? That is a great question. Why do we need priests in, in Catholic schools? And I think that I would attack the answer or my take on the answer in the context of what we were just talking about. So what the priest does sacramentally is make an aspect of Christ present that is unique to his vocation. We all make Christ present, for sure. But there is a different way that the priest makes Christ present. And while the theology is there, that's probably not what is most interesting. But what is definitely the case is that Christ is present in a unique way through the priest. The well, at least this, right? The priest comes in handy for anybody trying to grow in holiness, right? Anything, if we're sincerely trying to grow in our spiritual lives, we're trying to grow in holiness and our likeness to Christ, well, then it is very handy to have someone who can forgive your sins. That's what the priest can do, thanks to his association with Christ. It's Christ's power, but it's made present through the priest. Likewise, anyone trying to grow in holiness, anyone trying to grow in their spiritual life, it is very helpful to be fed by the food that gives us strength in our pilgrimage journey. And that's the Eucharist. So the priest makes that present. So where the priest is, uh, Christ is present in this unique way. And so then this visible presence, right, this incarnational reality, the priest makes that uh, that even more present. And so you have this, this notion that, um, that where, where you see the priest, well, really what is meant to happen is that there's an encounter there with Christ through the priest. So that reminds me, um, can I, can you hear my confession after this podcast? Scott, how about you? Absolutely. Yeah, I always <laughs> carry a purple stole in my pocket. And uh, the joke is, you know, you carry the purple stole in your pocket. That's like, that's like my diaper bag, you know. And so I, I use the, the purple stole in confession uh, to clean up the sins of, of my spiritual children, uh, the clean up the messes of my spiritual children. It's my, it's my spiritual diaper bag. That's the, the purple stole. That's really apt. Um, so, I mean, I really do want to get into this Chippewa Grace topic, and I know it's been a more recent development in your ministry here in Chippewa Falls. I hope and pray that it's a legacy of your ministry in Chippewa Falls. And I'm wondering if you can tell us, back us into how you got into this ministry and, and kind of the need you saw for it. Sure, yeah, the need, uh, maybe, and then the, the history but I'll say it in this way, and it'll dovetail with what we were just talking about. So the ideal there is that the Christ is made present through the priest. And that's through the priesthood, well, through the sacramental configuration, yes. Um, but it's made more or less effective based on the priest's 
holiness or the priest's union with the bishop um, or the priest's uh, doing what he what he should. And so when priests then don't do what they should, when they don't act in accordance with the call that they've received, well, then it does incredible damage. And being aware of that, uh, but it's very helpful when it's, again, because of, of the kinds of creatures we are, when it's incarnated in persons. And so the history of it, really, is meeting someone that had been abused and beginning those conversations there in an outpatient kind of setting in Mayo Clinic. And through those conversations, hearing firsthand uh, the experiences, the fallout of priestly abuse, and then just walking with each other, I think. And this is a, a conversation then really amongst friends that then grew to include others about how we all heal or approach healing from the fallout of clergy sexual abuse. And as that conversation grew and as it included more people, it gave birth or produced this this movement that we call Chippewa Grace. And it's, it's guided by faith to uh, restore, to um, renew, uh, to, I'm going to forget the acronym here, um, but... Uh, assist, I think is A. Assist, yeah. And... Uh, Encourage. Encourage, yeah, I think that's right. Together yeah. we So we're guided by faith <laughs> to renew, assist, communicate, and encourage. I had the beginning, and then as we talk about other things, it, it, it goes. But uh, that's uh, uh, the creative acronym, but it really speaks to, a, a, I think, a need. Not just in the Catholic Church, although it's very, very visible in the Catholic Church, the fallout of all this and all the cases, uh, names, and, and public nature of it, which is a good thing, ultimately. Uh, but the, uh, I think the reality is that that this is in other institutions, this is in families, and so if we can continue to grow and move toward healing and give an example of what that looks like by ongoing education and conversation, uh, which is the purpose of Chippewa Grace, well then I think there's a whole host of folks inside and outside the church that can be helped by those helpful conversations. Well, I find it to be a miraculous I guess circumstance that this has come up at this point um, I attended the first event that Chippewa Grace put on on trauma and I learned a lot and I've already been able to use what I learned to um, meaningfully accompany those that you know I encounter that are traumatized um, and I also learned you know some of the terminology victim survivor abuse you know what do these things really mean I hadn't ever really thought about that. So I learned a lot in the first presentation. Um, I'll put in a plug for the second presentation on June 15th at 7 p.m. It's a Zoom presentation. Will there be an in-person option for that? Similarly, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. I think details perhaps still to be uh, decided upon, but at least if it were to follow what we had done, the virtual, the virtual presentation will be also made present for those who want to attend in person. So you can see the screen there in Holy Ghost Church. So certainly they have a Facebook page, Chippewa Grace, a website, and anyone can ask here in the Max offices too for more information or at any of our local parishes. So I'll just put in a plug in case anyone wanted more information on that. Um, other than Chippewa Grace, can you talk about 
the legacy that you would like to leave as you mo- move on to the next chapter here in Chippewa Falls? Well, legacy, my goodness. I think of the song that I listen to on the radio. Uh, I don't care about legacy. I don't want people to remember me. Um, only Jesus. And so I suppose uh, that's a, a different way of answering the question, what, what would I want to leave behind? And that is uh, given especially all that we've said uh, about the truth that is this person, Jesus, about the way that we incarnate ha- him in our daily life, the way that the priest makes present, um, particularly when he lives faithfully, his vocation is is a, is a sense and an encounter with Christ. And so what I would hope to leave uh, is is that that hopefully through you know my my failures and my my foibles haven't gotten too much in the way of the encounter with Christ that he certainly intends uh, in 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 the church in general um, through one another and also in the priest. Thanks, and I'll just share. Uh, I know you're going on to teaching seminary, and you've taught at the university level, and you're teaching philosophy at the high school level. But my hands-down favorite part of your teaching ministry is your homiletics to our grade three through five students at Holy Ghost for these last several years. I know I'm not alone in this, um, and I just want to give you props for that. And I know you still run into students years later that remember your homilies from school mass at Holy Ghost Elementary. They do. They'll remember it better than either I or their parents who were, I gave it. The parents were there listening, but the kids will remember better than, than we do. And uh, it's it's amazing. You know, this typical style, if I'll give like three words or four words or maybe a phrase that the kids are meant to repeat and remember. Um, but as we were sitting there talking about one of the homilies that the parent was like, oh, that was a nice homily way back, you know, it was a few months ago prior. And uh, and we're trying to come up with the third word. And the daughter on the other side was like, "That's the, I can't even remember now, but the daughter remembered what the third word was <laughs> from the homily. So anyway, uh, you know, so it's 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 a beautiful thing. And uh, yeah. Um, and uh, one of the one of the stories that does come to mind, I suppose, I said to the kids, you know, if you if you fight for Christ, he will fight for you. And so from across the field or store, I don't even remember where I was, but I heard someone yell, if you fight for him, he'll fight for you. And that was, that's my kid voice. That's what they sounded like, I guess. So <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and, you know, we just wish you well. And I know that you'll be a blessing to your students at seminary with your gift for teaching. Um, thank you for sharing it with us, and I'm sure also that your variety of pastoral experiences will be a blessing to them as well. Thank you so much, and no doubt. <laughs>